Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the epistle of James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious, and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. What is good religion? Religion itself is an odd expression. This past month, we've kind of been talking about that which is a little bit contrary to religion, at least the institutionalization of religion. We've just gone through an entire series about how Christianity began as a movement and how it will only be sustained as a movement, not as something institutionalized. But we have this question, what is good religion? Because we cannot escape the institutionalization that we have experienced in Christianity, that there is this polity, that's the fancy word that we use in the United Methodist Church. There is this doctrine, another one that we use. There is this discipline, another word that we use. There is this structure. I don't know if you know this, but the United Methodist Church is very methodical. We get our name honestly, the United Methodist Church. We have a method to everything. And so we cannot escape the institutionalization that we are already experiencing, uh, but still, we have to ask that question, what is good religion? Because just because something is enduring, just because something has a tradition, just because something is so methodically and meticulously planned out, does not necessarily mean that it is good. This is something that James, our epistle writer today, was having to confront in his day and age. The, the early church was, was developing and they were beginning to, to put together certain structures and understandings about what the church is to be, how it's supposed to look, the best way for it to function. And there's a complication that the church runs into during this time. It's the same complication that the church has run into every step of the way since its inception. The church is made up of human beings. My goodness, we know how to mess things up. The church is made up of human beings, and uh, we, we as clergy, 
and we gather together and stuff and we talk about the exact same thing every time we gather together, how the best, the absolute best part of ministry is also the absolute worst part of ministry. Maybe not the worst part, at least the most difficult part. People! Because we're human beings, we have our flaws, we have our own ambitions and our own perspectives and our own lenses through which we see the world. And so James writes to the church to try to pin down the most important aspects of what the church needs to be, of what those who claim to be followers of Jesus need to be, the most important parts. And so we're faced with this question, what is good religion? Rhetorically asking, but if you would like to respond, you're welcome to. Is good religion coming to church on Sunday mornings? Is good religion showing up to a Bible study on Sunday evenings and Tuesday mornings? Is good religion showing up to hand out water and fruit at a race? Is good religion coming on the high and holy days and making sure you dress your best? Is good religion just claiming Christianity? Is good religion believing? Is good religion based on faith? Is good religion tangible? Is good religion something that we call our own? Is it something that we follow? Is it something that we adhere to? Is it a list of rules? All of these questions. What is good religion? I used to be so frustrated with the church. Like incredibly frustrated with the church. And I guess I can't really say I used to be because I still have my own frustrations with the church. And you know, here I am ordained in the church and that makes things all kind of complicated. Um, I've, I've been a part of the church literally for forever. Uh, I didn't enjoy going whenever I was a kid, but you know, I just, that's what I was. But once I got into youth group, I was at the church, I mean, constantly. And whenever I say constantly, I don't just mean like every single Sunday. I was there every single Sunday from about 8 a.m. till about 8 p.m. on Sundays. And then I was there on Monday mornings, starting about 5.30 a.m. until about 7 a.m. And then also Monday afternoons and evenings, Tuesday and Thursday evenings, Wednesday all afternoon into the evening. And Friday and Saturday, I guess, were my Sabbath days that I wasn't at the church. I was there constantly, so constantly that I ended up, uh, I ended up working at the church whenever I was in high school. As after the church that I was at started up a 24/7 prayer and worship service. Yes, you heard that correctly. 24/7. It was just constant, always going. So I was at the church even more frequently. Now, not 24/7 because that would have been terrible, but I was there a lot. And then whenever I got into college, I, uh, I, one of the very first things that I did was went to uh, various churches to see where I could get plugged in and start helping out. And while I was in college, I worked, actually worked, at four different churches uh, during my time there in different capacities and different roles, always at the church. When you're working at the church, there's always something. And then I get to seminary, and my entire educational experience is about the church, and I'm also working what was called part-time youth ministry. 
but that doesn't actually happen. Youth ministry is always full-time uh, and, and was always at the church during, uh, during that. And then I worked as a student pastor at two churches and always working through that. And then uh, became commissioned in the church and came to you all, which has been just complete joy. And, uh, and then through ordination. So I've been with the church for a very long time, or, or at least in my perspective of my lifetime, a very long time. A significant portion of my life has been devoted to the church. And, and through all of this, I have been frustrated with the church almost constantly because the church has always been faced with this question, what is good religion? And I have very rarely seen an adequate answer. Very rarely seen. Now, now sure, people can t say adequate answers. They can tell you the right answers all day long. And they can explain very definitively why that is the right answer. I say, well, all right, lovely. But I have very rarely seen the right answer occurring at church. I very rarely experience the church actually taking up the right answer because what I would see is the majority of people in the church showing up on Sunday mornings and that was it and the majority of people who showed up on Sunday mornings weren't actually there every single Sunday uh, fun fact Pew Research did a study a couple of years ago to determine uh, how, f how frequently a person had to attend church in order to be considered a regular member there. Can you guess how frequently a person felt that they needed to attend church to be a regular member there? Every six weeks. As long as you were there every six weeks, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty regular. And hey, to each their own. I'm not, I'm not like a huge proponent to say you have to be at church every single Sunday morning. But that's what they did. That was their main contribution to the church, was going to worship. And even then, it was just, you know, every four to six weeks-ish. And so I became pretty frustrated with the church because the church wasn't really being the church. Everything that we were being taught, everything that the pastor would say, everything that was taught in Sunday school or Bible studies and all of these lessons, they were words that entered the ears, maybe even the minds, maybe even the hearts of the people, but they never became actual actions. They never became anything more than just words to the people. Now, there are always exceptions to this. There are, there are plenty of people who do take action, but by and large, the church is very much a passive entity in our world today. And so I'm going to be pushing some buttons today because it's not sustainable. The church is going to die if we don't start to understand that as a passive entity we will never be anything worthwhile. James quickly became one of my favorite books because it puts everything that I was feeling in my frustrations with the church so plainly. And because of that, it is also one of the least favorite books of many others. James says it straight, right there. There's no questioning the practicality of it. But because of that, a lot of people don't like the book of James. In fact, the book of James was almost not even considered for the Bible. 
at the uh, council at Alexandria back in uh, the 300s-ish, I can't remember the exact date, when the Bible, uh, the canon that we have today, the, you know, the 66 books that we have today, was being decided on. Uh, they, they had many more manuscripts than just the 66 that we have today, many more. And James was up there for, for uh, consideration, and by and large, the Christian leaders said, I don't think that this should be included, because it barely mentions Jesus, first of all, and it barely mentions faith, and when it does mention faith, it's a very abrasive way to talk about it. Fortunately, because they were in Alexandria, there were a lot of Greek philosophers and Greek scholars who were there who were able to say, no, no, you're missing the point of James. This whole faith process that you're putting together isn't really, isn't really connecting with what James is trying to say. Because James, funny enough, uses a lot of, uh, a lot of Greek methods to compile his information here. But it still had a lot of pushback. A lot of pushback for a very long time. In fact, whenever the Protestant Reformation began, Martin Luther, you know, with his 95 theses and everything, hated the book of James. He called it the epistle of straw, saying that it can't even stand up to itself. Martin Luther hated the book of James. And, and granted, one of the reasons why he hated the book of James was because it really prioritizes works, is the expression that I'll use. And during that same time, the Catholic Church was very much prioritizing works, saying there's stuff that you have to do in order to earn your salvation. And Martin Luther said, no, 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 that's not right. And so he hated the book of James. He said, no, 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 we are saved by faith alone. So I'm already setting up not a great argument for the book of James, but bear with me for a moment. Because it seems to contradict the whole salvation by faith through grace that we have uh, conceptualized within the life of the church. That salvation only comes by faith through grace. God's free gift and our receiving of that gift. Mind you, James does not contradict this in the least. James is not contradicting what, uh, what Paul has said in other points. James is also not saying that works save you. Rather, what James puts together is this question, what is good religion? What does it look like? How, what form does it take? How does it manifest itself in the world? What is good religion? In other words, just because these people are claiming to be Christians, just because these people are claiming to be in the life of the church, do they actually mean what they say? Are they actually living up to this, this notion of what it really means to be a follower of Christ? What, does good, what is good religion? In other words, what James does is he calls to us for us to understand that real Christians live their faith, not just listen about it. And I know it's rather unfortunate that we spend a lot of time in worship listening about faith. I mean, here you all are listening to me, and I'm going to be talking for way too long today already, about faith. James says it's not about listening about your faith, it's about living it, putting it into action. James is a complicated but practical book, saying things like, you must be quick to listen, 
slow to speak, slow to anger. Has anybody noticed how contrary that is to our culture today? There's a lot of anger in the world about everything. I mean everything. It's absurd the amount of anger that we have. We are all very quick to speak. If you're on social media, you know that. Everybody has their opinions out there the moment it happens. We are very slow to listen. Because I don't want to be changed by your opinion. I don't want your opinion to try to impact me. I want to keep my own opinion because I know I'm right. But yet James says, your anger does not produce God's righteousness. And then he goes on to say, therefore rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, James says, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Why? Because if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they were like. An interesting expression to look at oneself and then turn away and completely forget what you just saw. James uses this metaphor here to point out uh, that he's kind of perplexed as to how it's possible that we can so easily forget who we are. That we could so easily forget what it means to be me. Using this mirror as an analogy, and, and this is a very deep analogy, and I wish we had like four days to just unpack this whole mirror of it all question here, uh, because that's, yeah, I can't even go into it. But he, he's saying, you know, consider, you're looking in a mirror, and when you look directly in a mirror, what do you see? Your reflection, yes, thank you. Yeah, that was a pretty simple answer. Yeah, that's right, your reflection. It's you that's there, a reflected image of you, granted, so it's not like the perfect image, uh, but it's you. And when you turn away, James says, and forget what you just saw, in other words, forget yourself, that's what it's like to be hearers of the word and not doers. Because... Christianity is not a religion of hearers. Hearing is a major part of it. In fact, James even starts this whole passage by saying, be quick to listen. It's a major part of it, but it cannot stop there. Because if it stops with just listening about our faith, it's empty. Next week, we're going to unpack the expression that James uses, that it's dead faith. If we just listen to what it's all about, if we just believe, it's not enough. Because, James says, the very nature of this faith, to actually take it to heart, to actually believe this, it should change us. It should reshape us in a different image. The image of God, that is. It should, it should be a, a faith that actually makes us different in our very actions.
actions. So all of these, these little things that come up in, in, uh, in Scripture that are like, you should do this. It's not about the rules of it. What Scripture is setting up with the whole you shall do this process is this is what it looks like when faith is actually lived out. It shows up in this form. It shows up in this form and that form and that form. But you have to do it. And we've been obsessed with this notion of doing over not doing for a very long time. Uh, in fact, there are very many phrases that remind us that there's more to our existence than just listening. There's more to our existence than just thinking or believing or trying. There is doing. So if I can just, you know, quote a couple of people here. We'll start with Picasso. Picasso once said, What one does is what counts, not what one had the intention of doing. Mm. I meant to do that. Okay. But you didn't. That's what Picasso is saying here. Shakespeare. Things won are done. The victory is in doing, essentially. The, joy, the joy's soul lies in the doing. Beautiful, poetic, as old Billy Shakespeare is capable of doing. Einstein. The world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. Doing is important. Master Yoda, there are Star Wars fans out there, says, try not, do or do not. There is no try. Nike, just do it. What a simple expression. Just do it. Perhaps those, uh, those phrases are, are not quite connecting with us this morning. I don't know. They, they work for me. But maybe I can just pull some scripture here. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. You should do what? Love your neighbor as yourself, absolutely. Micah 6.8, personal favorite of mine for obvious reasons. He has told you what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Amos 5.23 and 24, take away from me the noise of your songs. This is God. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But what worship does God require? But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Galatians 6, 10. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. James 1, 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I could go on, but the point is this. Be doers. It's about the doing, the activity, the movement. Be doers. And so my challenge for us this week, my challenge for us this week, because I know that you're all out there listening intently and taking fervent notes on everything that I'm saying, 
My challenge this week is don't just listen to these words. Live them. If only I could make that my challenge every single week. I, I think I will. I'm just going to go ahead and put a stamp on that every single week. That's the official challenge. Don't just listen to these words. Live them. Religion that is pure and undefiled. In other words, you want to know what good religion is? Religion that is pure and undefiled is to care for widows and orphans in their distress. To care for the least among us. The people of lowest rank, the people we prefer to forget, are out there in our own community. Good religion is religion that is active. Religion that we do, not just religion that we believe. In other words, I've said this one before, get involved. Get involved. It doesn't even have to be in the life of this church. I would love for you to get involved in the life of this church, but get involved somewhere and begin doing your faith, not just believing it. In other words, be the church. I've used that expression before as well. Be the church. Don't just go to church. In other words, devote your life to this movement. That's what we talked about last month. Devote your life to this movement. Participate in the activity of it. In other words, thank you, Nike, for letting me borrow this. Just do it. And let us pray.